0: service radio. Full service radio. Full service. Full service. Full service. Full service radio. Hey, Stacy. Hey, Paul. <laughs> well, I hope you and all our listeners had a great Thanksgiving.
1: I did. And you know what I'm thankful for? My friends,
0: my family, mm-hmm. and to be back on the air with you. Mm hmm. Well, me too. Hey, do you know what the turkeys were thankful for this year? What? vegetarians Uh,
1: (laughs) shall we just move on (laughs) Uh,
0: probably best roll the credits it's time for politics (laughs) hey 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 we are back in studio it's been a minute due to Thanksgiving and because I was in New York City interviewing the fabulous Jennifer Lewis for episode 12 of Politics. If you haven't heard that one yet, please check it out. But here we are, episode yes. 13. <laughs> I'm Paul Wharton, and my co-host is back, Stacey Rush. Hey, girl.
1: Hey, Paul. It is so great to be back. I miss this, and I miss you. <laughs> and to our listeners, anyone who hasn't done so already, please, please, please check out our previous episodes. You won't be disappointed.
0: That's right. So we're once more in the Line Hotel with full service radio with Jack Inslee and Jamal, my homeboy. Before we get into <laughs> it, let's give a shout-out to our amazing sponsor, a beautiful closet is one of dc's most trendy and fabulous boutiques located in the new southwest dc waterfront you'll find the highest quality clothes that are always on trend for women and children along with home goods and all of our favorite holiday gift options stacy and i are hosting a shopping event at a beautiful closet on december 8th from 2 to 5 p.m where you'll find the best gifts of the season check that out at a beautiful closet yes ABE Networks. Have you heard of them, Stacey?
1: I have not. Tell me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. No, know I have. Are you, you kidding me? You build a house every two <laughs> minutes. <laughs> ABE Networks is the premier custom residential and commercial technology firm and the entire DMV. I visited their state-of-the-art showroom a couple of weeks ago, and it blew my mind. If you're interested in upgrading your home or building a new one, you need to know Avi Benaim and his award-winning team at ABE. Check them out at abenetworks.com. Mervis Diamonds. Bling, bling. You like little diamonds, don't you?
1: I like big diamonds, actually. (laughs) But uh,
0: any diamond will do. I'm not shocked. (laughs) So engagement season is upon us. And Mervis Diamonds is hosting their biggest sale of the year. The annual holiday red carpet trunk show will be held this Friday, November 30th through December 2nd at the Tysons locations. It's the D.C. area's largest jewelry event. Enjoy up to 40% off. See 15-plus designer collections including Takori, Baragio, J.B. Star, and Gabrielle New York. Check all of that out at MervisDiamonds.com the Batar Cosmetic Institute. (laughs) It's always a good time to pull yourself together and there's no time like the present to contact the Batar Cosmetic Institute and get your initial consultation set up. Give Rima, Katie, or any of the helpful staff a ring at 703-206-0506 or check them out online at batarinstitute.com. We talk about batar every week. And today we have a special in-studio guest. Dr. George Batar, is going to get to the bottom of all things plastic surgery. So exciting. I, isn't that exciting?
1: I'm going to have to hold myself back because all I want to do is ask questions about myself. <laughs> well, what about this? And can I? You know and what, what do you think? It's so hard. I'm so, so happy hard. that
0: you admitted that because I knew that was going to be the case. <laughs> well, <laughs> Dr. Batar is here to talk to you guys. And finally, Metro Office's. The premier full-service workspace solution for professionals in Maryland, D.C. and Virginia recently renovated their 1250 Connecticut Avenue, Northwest D.C. location, and it is a creative entrepreneur's paradise. Check them out at MetroOffice.com10. So, first of all, Stacey, how was Thanksgiving?
1: It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. (laughs) You didn't cook. (laughs) I did not cook. I didn't cook a thing. We decided to spend Thanksgiving in Barbados. And I spent Thanksgiving Day with my... Okay,
0: I see you're looking away from me. <laughs> I want to rub it in. This on vacation. Okay. It was
1: beautiful. We were in our swimsuits, toes in the sand, eating flying fish and macaroni pie. It was just... Perfect. Very non-traditional, unique, but all just extremely special. It was wonderful. What about you? How was your Thanksgiving? Well,
0: anyone that knows me knows that every year I usually go to Cleveland, Ohio with my mom. So my mom and I, we pack up the car or we fly. And we go and visit my grandmother, who's now 92 years old. Such a blessing. You know, my mom the other week was like, you know what? You're not right. And I said, what do you mean I'm not right? She says, you've never spent Thanksgiving with your father. I said, you know what? No problem. This year, I will. She said, oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. oh She swallowed those words, huh?
0: <laughs> so on Thanksgiving Day, I went to my father's house for the oh, first time cool. in probably 10 years. I'm always with my mom. So, we had a great time. I love your dad, by the way. I love him.
1: He's such a great man.
0: My dad and I are are just such good friends and we just love each other so much. He works with me in my business and he's always giving me great advice and we talk about 10 times a day. And so, yeah, that was a great Thanksgiving. And then after I checked out my cousin's house in Springfield and had some good times with my great aunt, just a great day. Yeah. So, I just got back from Delaware. Of course, I had to make up for missing Thanksgiving with my mom. So, on Friday, I headed out to Delaware and we've been, we put up, so far, five Christmas trees at her house.
1: Five Christmas trees. Thank
0: God, my mother has a gay son. <laughs> if my mama's son five... was not gay, <laughs> five
1: Lord Christmas trees. Lord knows what trees. she might have. Did you put them up in every room, or I don't understand? Yes, right now
0: we did. Um, we did one in the lounge, which is like a. Other people have like a library in the front. She has like a lounge. So it's got a Other bar. Other people have a
1: library. Um, I don't have a library. What are you talking about? You know, Other like, people have a library. You know, we like have a lounge. A
0: beautiful fireplace <laughs> and like four gorgeous seats. And it's got a bar. And we go in there and have our cocktails. I oh, it's, it. it's so pretty. It's so cool. And then we did one in the foyer, one in the lounge, one in the dining room. And we have a big one coming, but it hasn't come yet. We got a big 13-foot tree coming for oh, the great wow. room. And we did um, one in the upstairs, like landing in the hallway upstairs Aww. that looks out to the street, you know, from upstairs. It's just beautiful. It is and beautiful. And one in the basement. So, you know what? I'm just like, there. nothing's guaranteed. You you know, we talked about Kim Porter, P. Diddy's yes. ex. She was a good friend of mine a long time ago in the early 2000s, and she unexpectedly passed away. And I was thinking about Kim Porter, and I thought, you know, we don't know if there will be a next year. So why yeah. not? Yeah. (laughs) And my mom has all these trees in the garage. I said, let's put them all up.
1: And it really is. I mean, Christmas trees, they just give you that warm, fuzzy feeling of, you know, the season. It just feels good to look at the lights. And I I totally get it. You get it. I get it.
0: Well, you know what? So along with the decorations, there were a lot of leftovers. We were eating, eating, eating. So you really didn't get into too much eating, right?
1: No, we were just, we had a lot of grilled fish, a lot of fruit. Lots of cocktails. Such a show-off. Such a show <laughs> Lots <off>. of sun. <sighs>
0: mm-hmm. All right, Stacey. <laughs> calm down. Okay, so if Thanksgiving has you feeling a certain kind of way about your post-Turkey Day silhouette, we have the perfect in-studio guest for you today. Dr. George Batar is an award-winning board-certified cosmetic and reconstructive plastic surgeon and member of the prestigious American Society of Plastic Surgery. Very prestigious. The only plastic surgery credentialing organization recognized by the American Medical Association. He is also one of D.C.'s most highly skilled and respected plastic surgeons, and today he joins us in studio to talk about some of the latest advancements in his field and to take some of your questions. Hello, Dr. George Batara. Welcome
2: to politics. Welcome. Well, hello. Hello, Stacey. <laughs> hello, Paul. It's great to be here with you.
0: Oh, it's wonderful to be with you. You know, yes. I'm always at the Batar Cosmetic Institute. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you from, from the front desk to... Amy, who runs the office, Rima, Dr. Bittar's wife, is, is amazing. The team there, they have the most solid team in this business. I've gone to a lot of different um, practices over the years. And, you know, each one of those people is vested in you living your best life and achieving your best look. So mm-hmm. shout out to your team and props to them.
2: Well, hello, Bitar Cosmetic <laughs> Surgery Institute. This is your captain speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. No, seriously, great to be here with you. You guys <laughs> have a you. terrific show, and it's such a pleasure and an honor to be here as your guest.
0: So Thank I posted you. earlier in the week um, for our listeners to send in questions, and I was, it's so weird. You know how you post something on Instagram, and you're like, oh, has that posted yet? All of a sudden, I'm getting all these DMs, and all these people are, like, asking me questions for the doctor. Ah. I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. But the really interesting thing is they were asking the questions, and they would say, Oh, are you going to use my name? And some people said, one person said it's okay to use their name, but the majority of them said, change the name or don't use my name. So I want to ask you, Dr. Batar, do you think that there's still a stigma attached to plastic surgery in society? And if so, why at this point?
2: Well, I mean, let's face it. Everybody wants to look better. They want to look younger. They want to look more beautiful. They just don't want people to know how they got how they that did. way. Right. right. You know, and we're all humans. We can relate. So, yeah, there is a little bit of a stigma left. It's not probably as much as it was 30 and 40 years ago where plastic surgery was only for the Hollywood stars. Mm -hmm. Now it is for everyday people, you know, across the ages, across the races. So I think we live in a very exciting age for cosmetic surgery. We can do a lot of things now without the knife that we couldn't do 10 and 15 years ago and you know there's instagram there is facebook there is social media to destigmatize things sometimes
0: exactly exactly and i'm going to talk to you about that the non surgical procedures and the fillers can that really take the place of traditional surgery
2: in certain situations it can but it's you know there's a reason why we do a facelift you know mm-hmm. sometimes we can do fillers to make somebody's cheeks look nicer somebody's lips look nicer somebody's you know, erase the brow lines. But, you know, if there's a lot of sagginess in the skin or the bone has resorbed or there's some fat in the neck, I think there is still a role for surgery that is not going to go away. I think that the good news for the consumers, in which case our patients, now they have more options. We have surgical ways of doing facelifts and we have non-surgical ways. We have surgical ways of, you know, reducing fat and non-surgical ways.
0: Well, as an author and somebody that's worked in the beauty business for a long time, I've been doing makeover shows. Dr. Batar, I don't know if you... Oh, two- yes, Where were you I in know. 2003? <laughs> when I first did Made, you know, I did these makeover shows, and for 16 cycles, I did the casting for America's Next Top Model, and I've worked with all these different networks. And so when people see me on the street, women see me on the street, they come up and they say, okay, just be honest, what do I need? And I'm like, oh, you ain't oh. gonna set me up. <laughs> I am not taking the bait for that. So when women find out that you're, or people find out that you're a plastic surgeon, what's some of the first thing that they asked you? I mean, do they give you the same thing? Well,
2: first of all, all, I travel around the world. I give lectures. And the first question I get is, what's new in the United States about plastic surgery? Mm -hmm. Since obviously I'm in the field. Um, I think people are interested in the surgical treatments. I think because there's more awareness that now we have non-surgical ways of improving people. I mean, the bottom line is if you don't have to have surgery, you know, you probably would choose not to. There are certain things that, like, if you have a large tummy, you need the tummy tuck. You cannot go around it, but you have it. So the it.
0: lipo can't necessarily, the lipo will take the fat out, but the sagginess will remain.
2: Right. I mean, mm-hmm. we have now techniques of tightening the skin, of increasing muscle mass, of reducing the fat within reason, you know. Mm-hmm. So there is a role for surgery. There's a role for non-surgical rejuvenation and improvement.
0: Well, speaking of the saggy tummy and the, you know, the alternatives to the tummy tuck, M-Sculpt is something that people are talking about. I've actually tried it myself. I think I've had two sessions of M-Sculpt. I should probably have like 10. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I was really apprehensive at first, just the sound of it. 20,000 sit-ups, the equivalent of 20,000 sit-ups in 30 minutes, and I thought, uh-oh, that's oh. going to hurt. When I do yeah. 20, I'm in pain. So tell us about Sculpt because I had a really great result and experience just from those two, and I know I had to do more, but tell us a little bit about this new thing we're hearing, Emsculpt.
2: So Sculpt is our latest best secret, you know, and now it's out of the box since you mentioned <laughs> it. Sculpt stands for Electromagnetic Sculpting, and it's a... A new and unique form of increasing the muscle mass and the muscle strength by electromagnetic waves. Now, people remember from late night TV, there's the tense units that people would do. This is like the tense unit on steroids. So Uh it is a lot more effective. It has been studied in about seven studies that came from very respected plastic surgeons and dermatologists in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so when I first heard about this machine back in April, so it's not been around that long, it was FDA approved in June and we jumped on it. We're the first plastic surgery practice in the Washington, D.C. area that gets it. And as Paul knows, we like to be on the cutting edge of new technology, Mm -hmm. provided it works and provided it's safe and it's been FDA approved. So what this machine does is basically increases... The muscle tone in the abdomen and the buttocks by about 11 to 16% over four sessions and decreases the amount of fat if you wanted to. There are modes on the butt that can increase the muscle mass and leave the fat alone, and you can put it on a mode that will increase the muscle mass while burning the fat. So it decreases the fat.
1: That's just. Um,
2: so amazing. It is an amazing. Oh, no, as you're device. speaking,
1: it's just unbelievable to hear. It's,
2: right. I mean, basically, the way I explain it to my patients is pretend that in 20 minutes, you can do probably about 200 sit ups if you're physically fit. Well, this is going to give you the equivalent of 20,000 sit ups in 20 minutes. And if you do wow. it, you know, over a four week period, once a week, 20 minute sessions, it will give you approximately 11 to 19 percent. Increase in mass of your muscles. So it increases the amount of muscles and the the strength of the muscle and it would decrease fat by 11 to 16%. For women who've had only one baby or two babies that have a little bit of the diastasis recti Mm. in the middle of their tummy that before had to have a tummy tuck, this will actually reduce the diastasis recti in four sessions by about 11%. So it's the only way to reduce that separation of the muscles after childbirth without having surgery
0: interesting yeah a while back on the kardashians keeping up with the kardashians they you know kim had just reached her boiling point people accusing her of having butt implants (laughs) and she goes to the doctor and she gets a a scan and ultrasound or something or uh what's the you know where they can see inside they can see mri and she shows everyone look i have not been lying
2: (laughs) I have my, an Armenian butt. <laughs> my butt is real.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So this actually, this m scope machine, I mean, I, I I, still, you know, don't really know if that's true, if that's her real butt. I mean, what do you think? For one thing, just what has she done to her
2: butt okay, to make let's it like ask, that?
1: Yes. Let's ask the, ask the expert. Well. <laughs> what has she done?
2: I'll have to. First of all, I can say I don't know what she has done. Yeah. Yes. I can tell you what we offer people to give them a nice... But whether it's a JLo or whether it's a Beyonce or is a Kim Kardashian, sure, is M sculpt one but of those things? K- uh, uh, M sculpt will lift the muscle and mm-hmm. will tighten the butt, it's not going to make the fat more, it's okay. not going to make it bigger, it's going to make it tighter and more lifted for making okay. the upper that. that. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that <laughs> but, sounds but good. We can sometimes uh, <laughs> we can combine that with fat grafting or mm-hmm. a Brazilian butt lift, as is known commonly. Which is a wonderful procedure we do a lot of because you take the fat from areas that you don't want. Yes. Like if you want to remove the fat from the tummy and the love handles and inject them in the butt in a very safe way. Okay. And that has to be done by a board certified plastic surgeon who is very well you know, versed in buttock fat grafting because recently there have been some complications with it. Performed by doctors in Miami who were injecting the fat too far into the muscle, so we do it superficially in the fat layer to keep it a very safe mm-hmm. operation.
0: There was a big sting in this area with a woman who. Um, this is actually a very important conversation because there was a woman in this area that was using Fixaflat. Have you heard? Oh, heard this. She was putting Fixaflat. She was putting all kinds of automotive. I mean, this is like a totally off-market thing, and people would go into her basement. And and someone died, actually. So, I mean, it is so important to... I mean, if you want a big butt, because they are in fashion. I mean, yeah. they're... You know, they're trending right now.
2: All I can tell you is my partner, Doctor Larry Lickstein and myself at the Bitar Cosmetic Surgery Institute, we do a lot of Brazilian butt lifts. Mm-hmm. We have great results. People are very happy with them. And please, for the life of God, don't get like silicon, you know, garage grade silicon injected right. in your oh, butt by somebody in a basement. Please We don't. will
0: finance you. We'll figure <laughs> we will it help out. <laughs> you.
1: What's the most requested butt?
2: Uh, what do J-Lo most women do, J-Lo, they, do? They Beyonce say, "Beyonce, Kim Kardashian, pick <laughs> <take> your pick." <laughs>
0: okay, all of those.
2: <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is you want to have a nice, round, sexy butt yes. that has a nice waistline and yes, nice uh, thighs that match it. So, very we, important point. Absolutely. Yeah. So right? we go very over important. different um photos that we have already of our existing patients and the you know the patient who's coming for a consultation has their pick of many, many butts to choose from and we how tell wonderful. them how realistic it is to <laughs> yeah. to match those results to their own physique. Right. So it's 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 a it, it has to be well thought out and well planned mm-hmm. and discussed With your doctor. It's not something you have. You can go to somebody who's, you know, who's not very well versed and just do it for you.
1: Right.
0: Now, you have a uh, practitioner at your office, uh, Z. Is she called a practitioner? Yeah, she Z. is
2: an amazing esthetician and medical assistant. She Shout out to Z. is
0: all of that. Okay, is she? I'm, I'm lost in her eyes. She makes me feel so comfortable. Doesn't matter what I'm in there for. She, oh, we're going to work. She knows my goal, where I'm going with things. But I really like, and this is something that's specific to the Batar Institute, how she couples the M Sculpt with the Exilis skin tightening. Talk about the combination of those two.
2: So we have, we're very fortunate to have an amazing team. As Paul mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, Crystal, our other esthetician, and Z both are masters in creating non-surgical treatments for our patients. So if you want skin tightening, now we have also the latest technology, which is the Exilus machine. And Excelus combines radiofrequency and ultrasound treatment. Okay. What does that mean? It means that they have different modalities to heat up the skin, to tighten the collagen, and create new collagen to tighten areas that are lax, whether it's in the abdomen, in the thighs, in the arms, in the neck. Also, we have Ultherapy, which is the only machine that's FDA-approved, for lifting of the face. I've done it. It goes deep into the... You've done it? I've done it twice. And tightens the jawline, tightens the neck for somebody... Like a double chin, who, like this area? Exactly, who does yeah. not want to have surgery. Okay. So when you combine the Excellus and the M Sculpt, or the Ultherapy and the M Sculpt, now you get skin tightening and you get muscle growth and muscle contouring. We also have, as you know, Paul, we have CoolSculpt, which is a way to reduce the fat by cooling it and freezing it, and then the body gets rid of it. It's very safe. We have four machines. So we have two machines in our Fairfax location and two in our Manassas location. And now we are able to offer our patients ways to get rid of the fat non-surgically, ways to tighten the muscles non-surgically. And ways to tighten the skin non surgically with those machines. So it's it. a great time to be in the cosmetic surgery business, yes, right?
1: It, is. it really is. I mean, you have so many options. Well, back
0: in the day, it's so interesting growing up. I remember people saying, like, about the Jackson family, oh, one of them Jackson noses. Uh-huh. And they must have all gone to the same plastic surgeon and they had a very non ethnic looking nose that just kind of got more the. Um, The nostrils were very angular, kind of pointed up, and then little narrow tips. I want to talk about that because recently I saw Portia Williams from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. She put on her Instagram, she was having a non-surgical rhinoplasty. And a lot of people commented on that, and I think people are really interested in that. So talk about the importance of the ethnic rhinoplasties in surgical versus non-surgical.
2: Well, as you know, nose is one of my favorite subjects. Yeah. Oh, so I Come love on. doing rhinoplasty. You're a nose guy. <laughs> there you go. And the nose nose. I have been, I've lectured about noses recently in Lebanon, in Italy, in England, and in Monaco. So I love doing talks and educating people, other plastic surgeons internationally about ethnic rhinoplasties because one size does not fit all. Okay. You know, there are different features to Asian noses versus African-American noses versus Caucasian noses versus Hispanic noses. We don't have the time to go into the details. What I can tell you is that you need to pick a surgeon if you want to have a rhinoplasty and you're not happy with your nose, that's able to match that nose with your face. They don't want to give you... A nose that does not match your other facial features,
1: and that was the problem with all of the Jacksons. Oh, absolutely, it didn't match. And then it became like
2: you know,
0: no shade, but it became the Braxtons now. You know, now they're they're the new Jacksons, and they have those cut up noses. Yeah, and and they're like you know, one nostril is not. So it's like you really have to find a doctor that understands what Doctor Batar is talking about, um, the importance of really taking into account your ethnicity and your end result because. One size does not fit all.
1: No.
2: And there is, sorry, go ahead. I was
1: just gonna say, what exactly is a non surgical nose job?
2: So, a non surgical nose job is basically when I use fillers to inject the nose. So, if somebody has a bump, I inject a little filler above the bump and below the bump to make somebody having a smooth contour of the bridge of their nose. Or if somebody has a very flat tip, injecting a little bit of filler in the tip to give it a little bit more shape Elevation. and a little bit more refinement.
1: Okay. Or if
2: somebody has a deviated nose to inject on the non-deviated side to make it look more straight. So a non-surgical rhinoplasty or nose job or a filler nose job, which is the same thing, is essentially injecting a filler like Restylane or like Radius to make the nose more straight or make it appear more thin You know, even though you're not making it thin, but there's an optical illusion to make it more thin, make it more straight, make when the light shines on it, give it nicer lines that go down from the eyebrows to the nostrils Mm -hmm. in a very aesthetic way. Now, the one thing I also have to add is noses are a difficult operation because you have to have the artistic eye as well as the technique to deliver. So just because, you know, somebody can draw a nice nose on a computer in their office and can do a nice digital imagery on their five apps on their iPhone... Does not mean that what they can do with their own hands in an operating room is going to give the patient those results. So when patients come to me, I show them actual patients and their true, unaltered, unphotoshopped results, and tell them, "Your nose looks like this person," because I've done hundreds, if not thousands, of noses, and you know it is a conversation again with the patient to make sure we give them a very nice, you know, a very nice uh, result at the end. And the best compliment I get is when somebody tells me, Dr. Bitar, this is the nose that I was meant to be born with. Yeah. You know? So when they say that, it tells me that I gave them a natural nose that's aesthetically pleasing and that matches the rest of their face. And their features. Right. I love it. I do too.
0: I love it. And, and I've asked uh, some of the listeners to send in questions. So just back to the old therapy point, Deborah R. from the DMV, she wrote, How do patients endure the pain of old therapy? So I Deborah to R. R. That. from the DMV, <laughs>
2: shout out to you. <laughs> You know, over, over the years, we've had now all therapy five years. So we have improved our technique and improved the delivery, and so now even though all therapy I would not say is painless, but it has much become much more tolerable. And I have something like to the say early on that. Years. Yes.
0: Something that really helped me in the office, which actually was a complete and I don't even want to tell all your competitors what this is <laughs> because Bitar Institute will figure it out. But uh, Z gives me that cooling air. Yes. And it really did, from the first time, I was like, okay, this is going to be a little bit uncomfortable. That cooling air really was a game changer for me, and it made it a lot more doable and at the end I was like oh it wasn't so
2: bad well one thing we don't like in our office is Mm -hmm. pain so we like to give people uh cooling such as stress balls (laughs) we have a stress nose in our office (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. we we put ice on their face we put numbing cream we have a vibrating device that confuses the nerves so it doesn't feel the pain we have the cooling device that initially we started using for lasers and now we use it for our non-surgical treatment so we we kind of go the extra mile to make our patients feel comfortable because this is supposed to be a nice, pleasant experience.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's always been that way for me. I want to talk, I got a lot of questions about breast. okay? So you're known for this, um, the way that you put in these breast implants from the armpit to avoid scars on the breast. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I knew if you covered that, you would answer a lot of people's questions.
2: Sure. So breast augmentation is also one of our... Biggest surgeries that we do in the practice, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her. She's still over there. And so, yes, am, I'm,
0: I'm listening. I'm, I
1: am all ears right now. I'm so, quiet.
0: Silence.
2: Let so him speak. basically, breast augmentations have come a long way. Now we have very uh, great silicone gel implants that are not like the old implants that used to rupture or leak. Yes. They're very safe. And my preferred method is to put them behind the muscle because they don't interfere with mammograms. You have to think of a patient's safety first. And I like to put them from the armpit or transaxillary approach. I've been writing articles and chapters and books and lecturing about this all over the world to explain to other doctors, other plastic surgeons, that in order to avoid having a scar on the breast, you can have a scar in the armpit. The advantages are that you have no scar on the breast for somebody who has a higher propensity for keloid scarring or unsightly scarring, you don't want to have a scar under the nipple or under the breast. You'd rather have it in the armpit where it's hidden.
1: Is it true that that mo- that most that, uh, keloids are more prevalent in African-Americans that is than in any people other? People
2: with higher melanin in their skin. So okay. African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians. So I have a lot of people who come to me from California to have breast augmentations from the armpit. I have a whole uh, Vietnamese community that, that comes to me because... You know, a few people came and had it. They didn't have any keloid scars, whereas one of their relatives had it under the nipple and had a bad keloid scar. So I didn't know that it was related to melanin.
1: That's really it, interesting. It, yes,
2: definitely, and also uh, under tension. So when you put an, a scar in the armpit, it's not under any tension. But when you put it on the nipple, it's under the oh. tension of the breast implant right behind it. Mm-hmm. So for many reasons, if I put it behind the mus- in the armpit, you go under the muscle without having to cut the muscle. It's less painful quicker recovery you're nowhere near the milk duct so if a woman wants to breastfeed it's nowhere near the nerves of the nipples so they don't lose nipple sensation so it's all around a great operation well i want to come out about something
0: i've come out about so many things in my life <laughs> 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 but we have been dr Batar and i have been planning a surgery for me because i have to just be honest about this I've been getting Botox since I was 27 years old. And the reason why I started the Botox is because I had a very droopy eyelid, even at 27. Both of them kind of droop, but there's one that gives me more trouble than the others. And and it's interesting because I look at my dad and he's got it too. Like Uh. one of his eyelids is like more than the other. But in the last several years, I'm so busy that I don't have I can't find 30 days where I'm like away. You know what I mean? Uh Like I do a ja ja. I want to be alone. (laughs) Like nobody (laughs) buys it. So, you know, we finally have figured out that in January I will move forward with the surgery. And I've been thinking about it for a long time. It's a major deal because it's my eyes are right in the middle of my face. But I've been searching online and looking at people's stories, and I think it really does change people's perspective. It even makes them feel less tired Um, because sometimes I know for myself, since I've let the kind of the Botox wear off in preparation for the surgery, Mm -hmm. when my eyes look tired, even though I've just slept for eight or nine hours, I feel tired.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, so I just want so, to talk to you about that a little bit. The surgery. So,
2: you know, the, the common saying the eyes are the window to the soul. And in plastic surgery, we say the eyes are the first thing that ages in the face. Unfortunately, uh, the the best kept secret is upper and lower eyelid lifts are not a very painful or an operation that requires a lot of healing. And so because the skin of the eyelid is a very thin skin, it's probably the thinnest skin in the body. So it heals quickly. Now, if somebody has some fat behind the eyelids, we remove some of that fat. Under the eyes, the bags under the eyes, we remove some skin and some of the fat, too, if that needs to be done. But I do a lot of upper and a lot of lower eyelids, sometimes uh, together and sometimes separately. depends on the person. But when I do upper eyelid lifts on my patients, and I do it under local anesthesia in the office, so you don't have to go under general anesthesia. It's a pretty straightforward operation. But the three things that I hear from my patients... The first one I used to always know about it is, is I, feel, I look and feel younger. People give me you know, uh, compliments about the fact that I look younger. But the other two that I keep hearing over and over again is, number one, when I'm driving, I have much better peripheral vision because the really? hooding over the eye yeah. is gone. Wow, mm-hmm. the, the third thing I also hear a lot is when I walk in the room, now the lights are brighter because you don't have that the hood. The hood that stops yeah. the light from reaching you. I'm so. mostly
0: interested in the youthful appearance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he doesn't really care we'll about keep, better we'll keep, sight, okay? Care. okay, who cares about we, we'll seeing? We're dark. talking about what he looks like here.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know, on that, I, Monica from Maryland says, good morning, Dr. Batar. Hello, Monica. I am biracial, half African-American and half Chinese. When I was in second grade, I am now in my 40s. I had a procedure done on my right eye. When I was born, my left eye had a fold, but my right eye did not. At a young age, my mom explained to me as having one Chinese eye and one American eye. My grandmother insisted my mom take me to Taiwan to one of the best surgeons for what I now have learned is called blepharoplasty. To have a fold put into my eye. Okay, I know a little bit about that. I remember being in the operating room and seeing the tray of supplies, which included tiny silver balls that I think were stitched on my eyelid to help create the fold. Can Dr. Batar explain this procedure as we've been talking about? And if And with new technologies, has the technique changed from when I had it done in the 1980s? Thank you, Paul. I love your energy and spirit. Yay! Thank you, Monica. We (laughs) love you.
2: (laughs) Monica, that's a great question. Kind of young, though, right, Dr. Batar? Well, I mean, this is a genetic, uh, you know, it's it's something that's passed on genetically. So what she's talking about is the difference between an African-American eye, in other cases, an Asian eye, Uh, Sorry, a Caucasian eye versus a Asian eye. So what she's talking about when she says her uh, mother told her she had one Chinese eye and one American eye, I guess what what she meant is an Asian eye, which the fold of the upper eyelid is different. You have something called an epicanthal fold that comes right to the nose that kind of hides the uh, inner corner of the eye that you see in Asian eyelids. And that's one of the most popular surges in Korea because a lot of the Koreans in the 80s and 90s wanted to look more westernized. So they wanted eyelids done to remove that fold and to look like they have Caucasian eyelids. I think that's unfortunate. I think Mm -hmm. you should celebrate, you know, your race and your ethnic background. And as I talk to people about their noses to keep them, you know, more in tune with their own cultural background... Uh, the eyelids are no different. I do a lot of Asian eyelids, and I have this conversation with my patients. I say, you know, the fold that you have is nice and beautiful. I will take the excess skin on the outer part of your eye, but I personally like to leave that fold because I think it gives them their personality, their ethnic identity. And interestingly, now in the year 2018, people are much more receptive to that than they were 10 and yeah. 20 years ago, where people are celebrating their background and their heritage. So when this lady, uh, Monica, Monica, is talking to us about yes. in the 80s, having gone that, I can understand that. But I think, you know, there's a shift right now where people are, you know... Now, if she had one eye that's different than the other eye, there's also a medical component there that I cannot comment on unless I examine her. But I have many Asians that come to me right now for their rhinoplasties and for their eyelids and want to keep their, you know, their look, but they want to make it look more, you know, they want it to look more attractive, but they don't necessarily want to change it. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I get that. And you, were I actually hope, Monica, that answers your question. Very, very <laughs> much so. And actually,
0: you might actually meet Monica because as everyone wrote these questions in, I responded and invited them. On December 13th, I am doing... With, along with Stacey, the fabulous Stacey, (laughs) we're doing a politics live podcast event in downtown DC at the Capital One Cafe, 732 7th Street, Northwest. And we are really celebrating lifestyle entrepreneurs, people in beauty and fashion. Um, you know, hair, makeup, skin. Doctor Batar hopefully will be there. Your staff is invited. Love to be there. And I'm hoping you will be there. Um, We're being hosted by Capital One, my new partner, and we are just going to have a fabulous evening. It's going to be lots of fun. We're all going to meet each other. We're going to have over fifty or sixty entrepreneurs there talking about their businesses and meeting each other. And Monica, and of course, all of our listeners are invited. Um, But if you want to have a consultation directly with Doctor Batar, you can call his office at seven zero three. 206-0506, 206-0506, of course, you can ask for Rima or who else is a good person well, to Well, I talk also to have to say
2: that I have my partner, Dr. Larry Lickstein, who's yes. also a board certified plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. We have two nurses on staff. We have two estheticians, Crystal and Z, and we have medical assistants. We have a, a very nice team of people that are there to serve our patients and our, uh, you know, people who are just interested in having information about Cosmetic surgery and cosmetic medicine. You don't have to have something done if you would like to come in for a consultation. We have open houses. We did one together yeah. with you, Paul and Stacey yes, not right. too long ago. Yeah. So absolutely. We, we like to educate our community and operate on them if necessary, but one of our biggest goals is education and Letting them know what are the safe things and what are the new things in cosmetic surgery. Because oh, there's yeah. a lot of misinformation on the internet out there. We like to for set sure. the record straight.
0: Yeah, well, just on your website and it really covers a lot. So you can also check that out at batarinstitute.com. Listen, we can talk to you all day. Um, we're going to move on to some hot topics. You can stay or or you probably have to do some surgery I back in the office. <laughs> I got back to my
2: office, but it's been great visiting yes, with you. It has Thank been wonderful having yeah. you. You guys have amazing so listeners. And those were some very nice questions so thank you for having me thank you so
0: much thank dr check him out online yes. check call his office or see him on december 13th dr Batar, you're the man <laughs> <laughs> thank you <very> much. <laughs> Oh, right. Wasn't that great, that Stacey? That was great.
1: He is always so informative. It's just, I was quiet because I wanted to take it all in. Mm, I saw you but taking notes. I'm, I'm making some decisions I <laughs> saw you here. taking notes. <laughs> I might be joining you in January. Exactly.
0: Okay. So listen, I want to talk about this. A gender fluid model recently got maced in a bathroom. Have you
1: heard about this? I did. I heard about this. It's just unbelievable.
0: Okay. So a model named Rain Dove, an androgynous model with a very voluptuous body, but some say a manly face, was maced in a bathroom by a scared mom who was with her children who thought the model was actually a man. Now, so I read this story and of course I went right to Google and looked up Rain Dove. Yes. And I got to tell you, I mean, I got a little chub. It was... <laughs> when I
1: did read you, the story and I, I was just going through all of the photos... I oh, was Rain so, Dove I, could get it. I was so conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you conflicted? Yeah. I was like, ooh, Oh, I don't know. I saw my
0: son walking down the street holding hands with <laughs> Rain Dove, A
1: beautiful, beautiful human being.
0: Beautiful human so being. So gender nonconforming. Yes. Um doesn't like the his, her pronoun, likes to be referred to as they. Um but basically it had a very interesting story. So Rain Dove um is now a well-known model. I don't know if it's supermodel, but model. Very unique certainly. She's actually 6 foot or Rain six foot two.
1: Yes, <laughs> correct yourself. Six foot two. So
0: you know most people aren't used to seeing a six foot two gender non-conforming female, right? Um, and it was she had an interesting story because she actually moved across country to become a a firefighter. Okay and rain walked into the fire station
1: you are really <laughs> trying your best and I, like, and I applaud you i'm gonna have
0: to call miss lawrence about this i applaud because, you because you know my friend miss lawrence you all know from star on fox he she but see miss lawrence has a mind though miss lawrence is gender nonconforming, but you can call miss lawrence he, he or she she right Honey, thing, boo boo, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, and that's kind of, I mean, that's the way I'm used to doing it with my friends that are gender nonconforming because they don't really. It's like, yeah, I'm all things, right? But, I'm I mean, everything should, and nothing.
1: But you should respect what someone would like to be addressed as. I think we we should respect that, right?
0: But it's kind of like our parents when we used to bring our math homework <laughs> home from school, and they'd be like, Oh no, I do the old math. <laughs> oh, that's the new math. <laughs> I'm like, I am a proud gay man, but I need a little, I mean, it's going to take a little minute. You're
1: really trying hard. I've been doing
0: the old math for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so Rain moves across country, walks into the fire station and someone there says, Hey man, how you doing? Good to see you dude. And Rain's kind of like, ha ha, that's funny. And she said uh, – Rain said that it was a joke that she thought would go on. I'm just going to – just excuse me later. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> apologizing in advance. I can't do this. Uh, it was a joke that she thought would be over in 15 minutes, and it lasted uh, six months or a year, however long she was there. Okay. And so in the in the showers, they would come over and, and be like, well, yo, man, I mean, what's up? Be like, we're all working here together. Like, you can show us your – you know, you can just – And she's like, why do you want to see my dick, you fag? And she said that she would say that to get them off of her. Okay. So as it turns out, she met this friend. She had a friend. So then later, of course, it all came out because there was some kind of incident and she had to go to the hospital. And when the EMS reported back to the fire station, they says, "Uh, the two women and then the one man. They're like, no, no, no. There were two men and one one woman. They're like, no, no, no. Rain is a woman. And they're they're like, like, no. What? what you say? What? (laughs) And so they never actually knew. They never actually knew. And Rain said that she actually grew up thinking she's just an ugly woman, not necessarily an attractive man.
1: That's a lot.
0: That's a lot, right?
1: That's a lot to have to digest in terms of your self-awareness. Isn't that something? Isn't it? I mean, It is. Okay. So...
0: Fast forward later in life, just a, a little while later, Rain met a D, the face of DKNY, which was a um, female model, and um, Rain lost a bet and had to go on a model casting. Okay, she had no interest in modeling. All the models she knew were basically working for free. She's like, I'm not going to do it. I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to be in front of the camera. So she goes on this model casting, and they're like, okay, we know you don't want to do it for free, but how about 500 bucks? So she says, okay, you know, I'm all ears. She didn't have any money at the time, and so she was open to that. Anyhow, she shows up at this casting, and they say, oh, no, you're supposed to be here tomorrow. And she said she looked around and all the buxom, you know, blondes, and she says, oh, okay, well, I guess maybe this is just for blondes today. I'll come back tomorrow. Anyway, she walks back in the next day. It's, it's all men. <laughs> So she's in they there with told all her to come back. They told her the to come day back that for the man. So she's in there. They're thinking she's a man. They book her immediately. The show is happening like right there on the spot. They throw her her garment. And it turns out that it is a show for Calvin Klein underwear. So she throws the underwear. on. She's like, OK, I can either tell them that this isn't going to work. Because she
1: has breasts.
0: A double D's. Right. Interesting, huh?
1: Yeah, I saw.
0: Did you see that?
1: I it's it's she really is a beautiful, unique human being. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you you have to uh, for our listeners, Google.
0: 6 foot 2. Yeah,
1: you you need to see who we're talking about and it'll bring it all together because she's just stunning. Let
0: me, let me find out that I have to fight you for Rainda. To- <laughs> Back up. <laughs> I saw them first. Uh- <laughs> Not, oh, oh, now you're calling. Oh, over. I she got wants it right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now this shit just got serious. Now, Stacey, everything I can't have nothing around Stacey. I can't have nothing. I'm trying to get my life right. Have me a couple of kids. Oh my god. <laughs> so basically, she came out of the dressing room uh, with her Calvin Klein underwear, and she had double D's just swinging everywhere, and like hit the runway. And from that point on, she she just, was a star. She became a star. So let's go back to this bathroom scenario. <sighs> Was the mother wrong?
1: Yes, I mean I have been in situations with my daughter where people have come around us, and I felt nervous or uncertain, or you know, where you just you—it's someone who looks different, and you're just aware and you're on alert because you have your child. As mothers, always have to be on alert. But I think to uh, spray someone in the face with mace just because their presence scares you. I think that's extreme. There wasn't a threat. It well, yeah. wasn't like she was doing something. So I think it's that so extreme. I think, extreme. Issue with I think it. she was wrong.
0: Because, you know, there's a certain part of me that has a, there's a certain comfort when I'm moving around the world, even if I'm, in, if I'm in another country, if I'm in Italy or if I'm in Paris or London. I always think if I'm unfamiliar, at least I can. You know what, Paul? Mind your own business. Try to get by without asking too many questions and letting people know that you're American and all of that. Uh-huh. You know, if I'm feeling like I'm in a little bit of a sketchy place. I remember being in Barcelona year before last. And I was like, oh, it was late at night. We were, We were lost. We were in all these little back alleys. And I was just like, this doesn't feel right. But you can't even mind your own business. I mean, it's kind of like. Just your presence, and of course, black people have been going through this forever and still go through it right now, and a lot of times much worse than Mace. Um, So I'm mad about that. I'm mad about this. I'm just saying, okay, people, if you can't deal with the presence of someone that doesn't look exactly like you do or it's not something that you're familiar with, you need to maybe stay your ass home. Exactly. Maybe you shouldn't be in the public bathroom going out with your kids mm-hmm. if you don't feel just moving through life that you feel safe enough where you don't have to go and reach in for that mace. I mean, the nerve.
1: And and what did what is she teaching her children? Think about the lesson that they learned in that instance.
0: Hmm. Intolerance. That's, thank you. Bigotry. Yeah.
1: So. I don't know. I wonder uh, is, is, will Rain press charges? I mean, because the woman they connected on social media, the woman actually reached out to her and said, "Oh, I'm the woman that sprayed you." Yes, she responded to a post on social media, and they have had a conversation.
0: So wait a minute. Hold up. Hold, uh, wait. Stop. You're like
1: somebody else is talking. So to Rain? wait.
0: No. So they left. No, they left the place, and no, the police no one no was
1: called or anything she was just i mean she was in physical pain and the woman ran out and she posted i think it was on twitter she talked about her experience and the woman who maced her reached out to her and they have had a conversation to apologize or um, you don't know no she, initially she wasn't wasn't apologized apologizing no
0: because she was like you should have had your ass somewhere Yeah, she's else.
1: like you, sh- you shouldn't have been in the bathroom oh so they they had you know some communication and <sighs> I don't know. I just I feel like all this hate and intolerance and judgment.
0: It's it's a a, lot. It
1: is a lot. It's it's it's, a lot, um, people. You know, give people
0: a chance before you go to swinging and pulling your mace and pulling your guns and and your threats and and all that other stuff. Give people a chance to move through life in their own flow, at their own pace Usually, ninety-five percent of the time, they ain't out there to hurt nobody.
1: Yeah, and they you know, and, I, and and Rain brought up some uh, a very great point about um, uh, assaults that happen in public restrooms and how, for example, in a, a woman's restroom, assaults are happening by men they there the, the the number of assaults that are happening by transgendered individuals in women's restrooms and things like that it's a very small percentage so the the the, the person that she should be fearing you know it's I don't know. But you're
0: saying that men assault women in women's restrooms?
1: Yes. It's not from transgendered indiv- individuals who are using that restroom. Okay. So I don't know. what. As I'm saying that, I don't know if the mom just thought she was a man or if she was transgendered. I don't know wh- what made her mace her. Was it because she thought she was a man and she, she might have She said attack? that.
0: She thought that she was a man. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. I think that you have to be living under a rock to not know that we have gender neutral bathrooms and there's been a lot of debate about, um, you know, people's gender and whether they were born that gender or not in the whole bathroom discussion. So at least it's worth somebody threatening you in some way or you feeling threatened and then you respond. Um, Personally, you know, It makes me realize It's so clear to me Because when I go on these road trips Which I rarely do (laughs) I don't like to do it I don't really like to drive From here to Cleveland anymore Because my mom They all like to do it Because they take so much stuff I fly Uh, I don't like to drive One reason And I'm not going to not drive Because I don't like the bathrooms But I got to tell you that me being Paul Wharton as in all my Paul Whartonness, like when I'm yeah. like done, you know, usually <laughs> if I'm going on a trip, I'm okay, I got everybody's over the house. They're getting my hair together. Like I go out the house looking right. Right. So then I'm roll up and through the bathroom at the rest stop. And oh. I, so it's like, oh, like I roll up and through there. <laughs> Does the music stop playing when you walk in the door? <laughs> and, and every guy behind me like stopped and like looks at the wall and he's like. Is this the men's room? You know, I see them looking all over and I'm like, yes, you're in the right place. Or I'm like, yes, you're in the right place. You know, all of that kind of stuff. And it, and it happens sometimes. I'll be at the urinal and like guys will come into the bathroom and like look at the wall. Like, wait a minute. I was that is so. I funny was this long-haired that that person like up here standing at the right because I feel so manly. Yes. Like, isn't that the, it's That's weird, right? Yeah. It just goes to show people don't open up their eyes. No. It's like they see hair. And they equate it to, oh, hair, woman. Wait a minute. I'm in the wrong room. (laughs) Yeah. So that kind of happens. It's a little bit uncomfortable because I'm such a confident person. Yeah. And I'll even say, oh, yeah, I almost got you there, didn't I? (laughs) Didn't I, big (laughs) guy?
1: But isn't that crazy that you have to do that to make them feel comfortable? I do. When they're making you feel uncomfortable? Well,
0: they're trying. Trying to, anyway. But, you know, I mean, sometimes I feel like it or you catch me on the bad day and I'm just like, you know.
1: Get over yourself. I
0: give you that little rough edge <laughs> that's still in there. It's in there, Stacy. <laughs> but oh, I, I, I want to talk there. about this other, <laughs> this other hot topic. So, country singer Kane Brown is biracial, but as a kid, he thought of himself as white until he attended school and started getting bullied, including being called the N word. And I thought this was an interesting subject, of course, because you know people kind of, as kids. What our parents tell us is one thing, and then what we're hearing out in the, you know, from our friends is a whole nother thing. I know for me, I think I might have shared this story when I was like in the fifth grade where we lived. We were the only black family in our neighborhood, and we had a group, Terry, Eric, Chris, Paul. They used to have the group, but they added me on the end. So it used to be called Tech, Terry, Eric, Chris. And then when <laughs> Paul came along, then it was Tech book. <laughs> tech pull now i knew something was wrong
1: (laughs) you're like wait a minute
0: (laughs) shouldn't have been pecked (laughs) i mean what in the world y'all couldn't even change the thing they wanted me to know i was the add-on threw threw me all on but i mean we were really good friends and we we went to the mall and got pictures taken at olin mills as friends you know and that picture was up in my dad's office forever wonder whatever happened to those guys terry runyon Chris Horn, and Eric Globerman. I do, do know where Eric Globerman is. We're on Facebook together. Okay. But one day we were coming back. It was, uh, school was about to be out. This was my fifth grade. I think I was in fifth grade going in. no, I was in sixth going into seventh. And we were driving down the street toward my house with um, Chris's dad was driving us. And they said, you know, Paul, we just love you. Man, you're just so cool. And I said, oh, thanks. And they said, um, you know, you're not like those other black people. And at the time, I'm going to tell you, I was getting over being younger and not having many friends at all because at that point, my personality seemed more cool. But before that, it seemed more gay. So people used to really harass me and call me sissy and fag and all that kind of stuff. So I was so happy to be in this group. I'm like, ain't nothing coming between me and tech (laughs) I am in Chakpa. I am the treasurer <laughs> and secretary of Chakwa. So, So when they said this to me, you're not like those other black people. You know what I said? I responded immediately back to the three boys and I said, no, I'm white trapped in a black body. Oh! And as soon as I said it, I felt horrible. I felt that I had betrayed my parents and my family and my grandparents. And I, as soon as they, we were like one street away from my house. But by the time I, I could barely walk into the house, my head was hanging down. But I, at the because in the knew. moment, I wanted to keep my friends right. But I knew. I didn't feel Authentic. black. Uh, I didn't feel white trapped in a black damn body. No, no. I'm from Cleveland. <laughs> and every summer we would go, you know, my parents would send us to Cleveland. So as history would have it, you know, we were just getting out of school. A couple weeks later, we pack stuff, we go to Cleveland. And, and maybe I took it for granted before, but that was the first summer I immersed myself in my roots. Mm-hmm. In my Cleveland heritage, I watched everything closer, the way my grandmother and great aunts cooked food, um, us coming together on 4th of July, how every night they would have something. My family would go from Cousin Gwen's house to Jean's, to Aunt Mary's, Aunt Barbara. It's like Barbara would do Thursday night. Jean would do Friday. They didn't go to restaurants and stuff. No, Why? Never that. They put all Never. their energy yeah. in their... And their effort and their money into their homes. Yes. That was where the pride was. And that summer, I mean, I became like a, a little militant, little little black power, little somebody. Did you? Yeah, I really did. So when I, kept, based on that conversation in that van, because I know what I said, and I'm man enough to admit it now, but that's not who I ever wanted to be or who I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I was trying to hold on to uh, feeling like I belonged to something. Yeah. In school, it was such a great feeling to have those friends. But I did come back in the seventh grade with a completely different perspective. And I'll say the interesting thing about that, as I've gotten older, there were other um, black uh, young men at the time who in, in other neighborhoods that were close, and of course there were not very many black families around but they had a similar experience they uh, a few of them i just noticed like were completely immersed in white culture and the interesting thing about them is a few of them i'll still like search for now on facebook or yeah. i'll come across their facebook and it's like them and all white people really it's so it's so interesting to me you know because my life i don't really think about counting black like when i put together a show or have an event and people say, Oh, well, how many black and how many white? And I'm like, well, I don't know about all that. Right. Like, you know, yeah. like I'm not living that life. You know, I'm a black man. I'm a black strong man. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm Paul Wharton, baby. <laughs> like I'm out here doing my thing, and yes. living my best life, and whomever the universe has aligned me with, whether they be black, white, Asian, gay, straight, gender nonconforming, Holler at me, Rain. (laughs) You know, whatever. Like, that's what I'm rolling with. Right. So, do you think that that's being judgmental on my side, looking at some of the people I grew up with and seeing that maybe, or thinking that they didn't maybe grow out of that?
1: I don't think it's judgmental. I think that, um, I I think it's really beautiful that you, as such a, a, a young boy, had that awareness. To know that what you were saying wasn 't true and that wasn 't who you were at the time, I think that 's really wonderful. Let me just say that but i i, I don 't think it 's judgmental at all. I think that um, the people that you surround yourself with are a reflection of you and what 's important in your life and so when I see people around you that are of every race and sex and profession and 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 what brings you together is you know your heart and because they're positive people and because they're movers and shakers to me judging. No, I don't think that that's what it is. You are calling, calling it for what it is. So when you see your friends on Facebook who are living that life, that, you know, sort of,
0: Mm-hmm. Vanilla Life. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I, I think that you have every right to call it like it is. And I, I feel bad for them because I think that our lives are much more fulfilling and much more beautiful when there's variety in when it. When there's variety. And, and when you can appreciate others' cultures and you can talk about things and say, "Why well, do you guys spend Thanksgiving? And what are you eating for dinner tonight? And what are you celebrating? That's the, the beauty of our world. So so I know this
0: is a complex uh, subject, but what's the simple answer to what you will tell your daughter in this kind of scenario?
1: In, in this well, scenario? Well,
0: Kane Brown was raised biracial, and he did not know that he was black until he started attending school. So Ugh, how do you... That's just unbelievable, right? Isn't it? So, what, what,
1: uh, what was going on with his mama? I, I don't know. I, I know we don't have a lot of time, <laughs> but can we just say... What in the world was going on with maybe his, his mom. mom? Was white? I mean,
0: I don't. She, I mean, maybe
1: yeah, but she was white.
0: Oh, his mom was white. She
1: never told him that she that he had a black father.
0: Oh, oh, Jesus. Okay, I don't know how that. I don't know how that happened. <laughs>
1: yeah, aren't you like m- mind blown? I just don't know how, how that happens. That, how, yeah, I don't know. With my daughter, I choose to make sure that she is embracing both cultures. Her father is a hundred percent German. He has so much pride for his heritage. She speaks German. Um, we go to Germany quite often, so she is getting all that from her relatives. It's it's very out in the open and celebrated. So my job is to make sure that she celebrates her African-American culture. My job is to make sure she sees herself in her dolls, in movies, in mom's friends. I want her to be just as proud about her black side as she is about her european side. So, you know, in this situation, I think it's all about his mom. I feel bad for this for this guy. I feel bad that he was raised by such an ignorant mother that didn't choose to equip her son for this world because this world, even if you don't think it's well it's, you know, it's not really about color. I'm not going to, you know, tell him that his father is black. He'll be okay. This is a harsh world and Absolutely. you've got to prepare your children for what they are going to face. When they are out in the playground and someone calls them the N word,
0: you got to prepare your sons to stand at the urinal with that long hair <laughs> and fur coat, <laughs> with both hands on the, on his hip. I'm dying. <laughs> taking a big old sigh. Mm-hmm. you do feel good oh darling my goodness. <laughs> listen crazy. i wouldn't think dr george batar that was a great 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 segment he yes. was a fabulous guest Thank you, you can check him out at Batarinstitute.com. check out stacy on instagram at yes. Fra Rush, and i'm paul wharton style also politics tv on instagram stacy and i have two upcoming events december 8th we are going to be at a beautiful closet in the wharf we're going to be shopping and helping you shop and Check out all those things on your list for Christmas.
1: Imagine coming. From two to five. And imagine coming and having Paul Wharton help you pick out your holiday outfits. It's too good to be true. Come on now,
0: please. (laughs) And also, December 13th, we're having a live podcast event at 732 7th Street Northwest at the Capital One Cafe. Attention all lifestyle entrepreneurs. We're going to have a fabulous time it's
1: gonna be so great i'm so excited yes
0: i am too so check us out share with your friends give us a five star comment and yes. we love you guys and we'll see you next week
1: see you next week bye, bye.
0: Hey, hey, he got the look. Hey. He wrote a book. Paul Worton, he'll get you hooked. Beauty tips and life advice. How to eat right and be feeling nice. Strong woman, strong mind. The inner goddess you will find. Iconic homes, celebrity faces, TV shows, and exotic places. He's there for you if
2: you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. You you to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here Paul's here, pulling it all together. Paul's here, pulling it all together. He's there for you, if you need to feel better. Paul's here, pulling it all together.